0: and welcome everyone to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Patrick Hart and you're listening to our show, What To Be, where we interview inspiring people and highlight their careers. What To Be is a program provided by Your Future Is Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students explore careers through programs such as college and career expos, panels and other work-based learning activities. Please note that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media, or your future as our business. The information provided during this program does not reflect its career in its entirety. And today I have the pleasure to speak to Owen McKee, who works for Circle. Hi, Owen.
1: Hey, Patrick, how's it going?
0: Oh, pretty good, thank you. And thank you very much for taking the time to help us do this interview today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Owen, would you please briefly describe your career journey for us and what you do?
1: Yeah, yeah, so my career journey began I'll start back in college I did seven years in university I did three years communication engineering and then another three years of um, computer engineering and I added on a one-year master's in computer security and forensic and that was I, I, I graduated approximately in May 2009 and that stage, we were kind of. I'm originally from Ireland, so we uh, had a bit of a recession at that stage in Europe. And I moved over to the US, did a bit of, a, you know, some job hunting over here. Landed a job at eBay in San Jose. I spent four years there, where I worked as a, an e-crime investigator. Moved on to manage that team, uh, so the e-crime manager position. After that, uh, four years, I moved to Facebook, where I did, um, I was an e-crime investigator there. Uh, I also worked on online safety, so um, relate, this was more related to kind of harmful, credible threats. spent four years there. After that, I moved to a cryptocurrency exchange for approximately two years, right up until this point here, where I work at a company called circle i've been here for almost two months and we build um, payments and treasury infrastructure for the internet so all those roles involved security in some way or another and uh, it's it's been an exciting 10 years exploring different aspects um, of different industries in terms of security it's been a massive learning Experience over the last ten years, um, and it's it's uh, it's only beginning.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet, and and you're working in such an evolving and new industry as well, isn't that true?
1: Indeed, yeah. I think when I first entered the, um, I mean, specifically to the the blockchain and crypto space, when I kind of when I started working in that area. Yeah, it was over t- about two years ago, I just saw how much work needs to be done there and how much work needs to be done in relation to, to security. So I've kind of embedded myself in that space and there's a lot to kind of contribute towards there, a lot to learn, as I mentioned earlier. So it's, it's, it's a very fast moving uh, sector, lots to learn, and there's not enough hours in the day <laughs> to, to keep up with it, which, which I like.
0: Oh, and when you, you know, you went to university, I think you mentioned in Ireland, mm-hmm. did you have any idea that this, when you were studying software engineering, did you have any idea that you would end up in, you know, when working in this field?
1: No, I had no idea. Um, I remember back in high school when we were doing like uh, career, career questionnaires and talking with our career counselor, what, what we wanted to do. And I remember I just wanted to build, Johnny Five. I'm not sure if many people <laughs> out there know who Johnny Five is, but it's, it's, it's a classic movie. When I went to university, it, engineering, it, uh, it seemed like the most kind of um, logical thing for me to do. I didn't feel passionate about it, but it seemed like it would get me a decent job and it would, you know, help me put stash money away a house do you know do do, do the normal things right um and after six years i generally you know two engine two bachelor's engineers later i i generally wasn't terribly passionate about it um i saw a friend of mine go do a master's in computer security and forensics i was like uh, that kind of struck a chord with me so i kind of followed in, in his footsteps and i was just fascinated by the the curriculum there covered a lot of cryptography, um, network security, secure coding, biometrics. And it was just, I saw this space, the security space, and I saw that there were so many different aspects to it. And and that was it. I was kind of hooked at that point. I knew I wanted to work in security to specifically work in kind of more the incident response, security operations type thing, incident um, investigations, it was over time, I kind of narrowed into that space that I felt most passionate within security. So it was, it was, it was a process, it took some time, but it's, it's been extremely exciting to see so many different aspects of the security program and where I would best see myself fit in.
0: Hmm. And did you ever consider going into some kind of cyber security, like law enforcement, whether it be like Interpol or some other organization?
1: It's, I I have considered it. I've thought about it. Uh, I have a lot of contacts um, within the government and Interpol um, that I've worked with over the past couple of years. I, what I've seen from the private industry though, that it's, especially now within the blockchain space, there's so much to be done and there's so much that I can contribute towards. And I felt that I have, a lot more energy and to provide towards the private industry than Interpol. And I can help bridge those gaps between the private industry and those agencies out there. So I, I felt I could contribute most towards the private industry.
0: Hmm. And would an agency like Interpol, would they contract a company like yours to help them work on a project?
1: Not necessarily. No. Many of these agencies out there, there's a mutual work relationships were um, you know, to, to work for the greater good. So w- there would not be kind of a con, especially with the companies I've worked with, and there'd be no kind of contracting between any of the agencies and, and the private industry, at least with the ones I've worked with.
0: Okay. And for those who may not know much, and I'm one of them, could you briefly describe kind of what blockchain security is and maybe cryptocurrency is?
1: Yes, it's a big question. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I know that's a
0: loaded one. <laughs> if it's possible to describe it briefly.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So, so, um, blo- so, first of all, blockchain. There's so many different aspects of security to blockchain. There's not just one. Blockchain. It's where it, a certain decision has been uh, approached and come to, and there's a consensus among a group of in this case computers that this is in fact a true statement and that's how the blockchain basically grows these decisions are made there's a transaction or whatever and there's a consensus that this transaction is in fact true and that's what how the blockchain grows you have cryptocurrencies built on it obviously the most notorious ones are bitcoin ethereum cardano and in many of these chains, you can actually build decentralized apps on top of the chain. So Ethereum would be the most significant one where there's flexibility to be able to build on top of it. And so with that, there's a lot of security in blockchain in general. So if you think right down into the depths of it, there's the code, how secure is the code? Uh, how secure are the smart contracts that are being built? If you look back, a, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, early September, there was a, a hack done on the Polygon network. First, approximately $600 million was stolen. It was since returned by the hacker. The vulnerability there was within the smart contract. If you Google that, you can find a ton of articles um, related to that hack and so you can it security goes that deep into making sure that code is securely deployed it's audited um so these vulnerabilities cannot be exploited all the way up to the more centralized chains where there is oversight over the activity on the chain and so that's uh, i guess is more the kind of controversial piece because Blockchain is supposed to be decentralized, but we have more centralized chains, kind of like Tether, and how security is uh, revolves around that and the, the extent to which security needs to be involved with the activities on-chain. So there's, there's, there's a lot within blockchain and security.
0: Okay. And could you say that blockchain is kind of an electronic ledger that's mm-hmm. spread out over a lot of different computers or servers?
1: Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, in a more traditional sense, when you look at a bank, you have you know your tra- your ledger of transactions on paper. I mean, they're they're in a, saved in a in a, in a machine you know of some sort. But when it comes to blockchain, it's decentralized. So you can you can download the the Bitcoin blockchain. I think it's like three hundred gigs, and you have the full history of transactions performed on 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 the chain
0: okay and so are you writing are you a programmer are you writing code like security code um
1: i do write code i i I have um um in my past yes i have been a a security engineer where i have been deploying code and to some extent in my current role um nothing related to the chain directly it's more for building out building out aspects of a security program to protect the company. Okay.
0: And I guess the idea with spreading the information out over different computers is that it's less likely to be corrupted.
1: Right, right. And that's, yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, they come to a consensus that the current state is the current state, essentially. Okay,
0: okay. And I was going to ask, you know, what's your day or work uh, look like this week? And for many of us, it's it's changed a lot over the last year and a half. But for you, I mean, you might be the busiest you've ever been.
1: Day to day, it's been pretty crazy, <laughs> uh, especially with with um, the uh, the work from home trend that we are seeing um, with, with with COVID. So at high level, day to day, my responsibility is to protect the company and the company's customers and this is this is to be said for every role that I've had in the past and so with to be specific with working from home over the last year and a half you know we think about the change in environment we don't have offices to go to so how can we protect employees when they're working remotely how can we protect the company data as they're working remotely and how can we protect the customers as there has been this shift to a remote first environment and there's a lot for each of those there's a lot to be said there's you could narrow in um on, on so many different aspects of a security program um and it takes certainly more than one person it takes a, a big security team to be able to, to pull that off
0: okay and which leads to my next question in what kind of environments do you work and are you, have you been working primarily from home? Do you go into the office sometimes? And it sounds like you're collaborating with, with other colleagues of yours.
1: Mm-hmm. So currently, um, our, our company is a remote first. So we have people spread across the globe. We do have an office, um, not currently used just because of, uh, COVID restrictions, but, um, but that's the that's the kind of um, the interesting piece because over the last eight years, uh, there's you know we've been tied to an office. Um, any any company I've worked with, we've been tied to an office, and so there are certain security aspects we have to think about. When a, an entire workforce moves to fully remote, you ha- there's a lot of different things you have to consider. What regions are they in? Are they In a high-risk region, are employees constantly moving um, cross-border? You have to think about safety. The first and foremost uh, is the personal safety and the physical safety of of, um, employees. Um, You have to think about uh, endpoint security, security of a laptop, and what if it's stolen, and what if it's left at an airport or a train station or or wherever they are in the world, or if they're in a, a... as I said, in the high risk region, where we, we need to take the extra precautions to protect the machine and protect the data on it. So there's a lot more to think than just, we've got this central hub, physical hub, where people are gonna to go to every day.
0: Okay, and yeah, the type of things that you're thinking about securing are probably not the things that like me is thinking about. I mean, because there's so much that's involved there. And you know, if, let's just say for instance, you know, a machine was left at an airport are you able to remotely wipe that machine clean?
1: Yeah. So the, the the security industry has a lot of fantastic tools at hand to be able to to for us to leverage. You know, at, we at any mature organization, you're going to see software deployed on a machine that protects it, encrypts it, where um, you can take remote actions on it. Um, in the instance where a, comp- uh, a laptop is stolen or lost um you know there are technologies out there to be able to remotely wipe it remotely lock it um access it if needed especially over since i've entered the security sector the technology at hand has just the evolution has been incredible to see and you know, how fast these features and tool, these different tools have been deployed out there and 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 offered as I said, it's a really fast-growing space, and the tooling infrastructure is, is keeping up with it.
0: Yeah, and probably the advancement in technology, like the hardware, is helping accelerate the whole process, too.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Okay. And for those who are just tuning in, you're listening to the what to be show on KSQD Santa Cruz, 90.7 FM. I'm Patrick Hart, and I'm speaking with Owen McKee, who's the Director of Security Operations at Circle. Owen, what kind of person do you think would enjoy this job?
1: Somebody who constantly wants to learn this security space. Uh, There's, there's something new every day for every good guy. There's going to be a bunch of bad guys out there that want to do something to a company or to a person or to an asset. And so you got to keep up with the trends and the, in, the environment and the threat landscape. And in order to do so, there's a constant learning curve. So somebody who constantly enjoys learning, working with others in the industry, and somebody who's not afraid to ask questions.
0: That makes sense. And when you were talking about protecting the employees, you're talking about perhaps from hackers who want to maybe hack like personal information.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. As I, as I said, yeah, first and foremost is the physical security of of any employee, but absolutely any uh, certainly um, in their work environment, but also in their personal environments, being able to protect and and aid um, employees in, in, in personal security.
0: Okay. And I could maybe that's hard to detect too, sometimes.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, where security doesn't have visibility, where a security program does not have visibility, it's, it's, it's difficult to, to, to um, be uh, pro, you know, reactive um, if something happens. But, you know, that's where uh, the security awareness piece in the security program comes into place. And that's educating employees and educating your friends and family on how to best handle themselves question i mean the, the the low-hanging fruit the simple questions are you know do you have uh, two-factor authentication across mm-hmm. your personal um accounts your your gmail your bank accounts things like that there and so being able to provide that information to employees and friends and family uh, it, it it makes a massive difference especially when somebody does target you and it's kind of an all hands-on deck making sure everything is locked down it, it's, it's especially important
0: Okay. And it seems like the platforms have gotten a lot better these days with doing the double authentication and the passwords that they require, you know, requiring at least one uppercase and like a special character and mm-hmm. things like that probably help quite a bit. But, but still, they're probably not all that secure, or are they?
1: I know. It, it, certainly if there's any kind of two-factor authentication, it's, it's, it's a massive improvement in just mm-hmm. the username and password, right? Um, but it's, when you start talking about two-factor, it depends on what form. If you're talking about SMS, well, the, the, the concern there is you get SIM swapped, um, and that's mm-hmm. where an attacker can port your phone number over to their phone. Um, this is done by social engineering the um, cell phone providers, and they can intercept any two-factor authentication codes that may come through on your sms so ideally um, when you talk about two-factor you're talking about an authenticator app Mm -hmm. and that would be something along the lines of google authenticator where it displays it's an app on your phone and will display like a six six digit code and it's time based so every minute or so i think every 30 seconds it'll refresh and that makes it even more difficult for an attacker to uh, intervene and intercept those codes. Even better better than that is a physical device where you can plug into your machine. So when you log into your Google account, you plug your, your physical USB kind of device in, into your machine and it will uh, it'll verify this is in fact who it is and let you in.
0: Okay. And it might've been last week or so that there was a big hack to T-Mobile. You're mm-hmm. probably aware of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't I have unfortunately have not had, had time to read the details but I've seen it in the news cycles yes.
0: Mm-hmm. And we were kind of talking before the interview and I was just mentioning that you know it just it seems like often these days that we hear about just some massive some massive hack, you know, where hackers, you know, targeted this or that or the amount of money, you know, the numbers are huge and you hear um officials calling calling it you know acts of war and Mm -hmm. I think for you know for like myself and because I don't know much that you know I I don't really understand like I guess what's everything that's at risk you know that all the I'm not considering like all the different things that you are you know because you're in Mm -hmm. the field and
1: Mm
0: -hmm. it just seems like is it true do you think that like sometimes these hackers are just kind of flexing their muscle so
1: in most cases, when you when you call it a, a like a black hat hacker, they, they intentionally want to cause harm, and those events you see in news cycles are are usually uh, attributed back to those guys who generally want to cause harm and get money. Right? It's it, uh, most most of times it's, it's for for financial benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there's 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 a lot of Things that can be done on the personal side to, uh, to protect. So as I mentioned, the two-factor approach, but also making sure you don't reuse passwords, use a password manager. Um, you can actually go on to a website called I have I have I been uh, put in your email address and it will tell you all the different compromises that your email has been associated with. So if if you have shared passwords, then these hackers can reuse these passwords and and your email across different services. So it's a uh, there's a lot to it, but at the same time, many of these services are making it easier for personal security, the two factor authentication and the password manager side of okay. things.
0: Okay, and like one thing that I've started doing lately, just like in the notes uh, section of my phone, I'll just you know I'll have a different note for like different passwords for different things. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if like how wise that is or not, you know, because it's just I, on my I, phone there. Um, I can't
1: say that that's wise.
0: <laughs> yeah, probably not too wise. Probably not too wise if at all. It,
1: Yeah, if I mean, if it's in clear, clear text on your phone, it's it's in a notebook. Mm-hmm. If it's in a, you know your notepad on your phone, I wouldn't recommend it. So there's there's a couple of different services out there for password management, and one is called LastPass, LastPass.com. The other one is onepass.com and you can sign up for free accounts. It will generate, you know, you can add these different services in there. Uh, they'll generate all these uh, the, the complex passwords and you just have to remember the master, pa- master password to access all these different passwords. So really, you just need to remember one password. I would highly, highly recommend that at a minimum.
0: Okay. Do you want to repeat the name of that service?
1: Lastpass.com.
0: Okay. Thank you very much for that, Owen. I think I'm mm-hmm. going to do that after we get off, off this here. <laughs> like immediately, uh, Owen, what kind of advice or resources can you give to students who are interested in pursuing this kind of career? Um,
1: so I've got I've got two, one of which a couple of uh, co- past colleagues have have contributed towards. It's a it's an ebook. If you I can provide the links if you're able to share this somewhere, but I can certainly you can Google it. And when um, I
0: post uh, before this interview, I can, if you share those links with me, I can include those on the post.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So um, one of which is the Palo Alto security student guidebook. And in this book, it it's an ebook. It has a bunch of different folks in the security industry and their stories as to how they got into it, why they got into it, what they're doing in, in the industry. I'm very much of the, the kind of tone of the questions that we're, we're, we're discussing here. So you will have an entire book of of uh, different people kind of like what we're going through right now. So if you want to learn more, that's a great resource. The other one is the Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security Agency. So cisa.gov, C-I-S-A dot And there's a lot of information for students on how to launch their cybersecurity career
0: there yeah thank you very much Owen and what Mm -hmm. about advice for someone who is unsure about their career path
1: ask questions I was in this position myself unsure of, of my of my career path and and really the what I saw the most body was observing those who had more of a definitive idea on where they wanted to go and asking them where they're going and why they're going there and how that may actually be back to you in terms of your mission in life. Um, that would be one of my biggest recommendations, just, just ask and talk to people. Um, yeah. And yeah, so, and, and in terms of security, I'm absolutely happy to talk to anybody who has questions related security to security the security field and general guidance on entering as a um, kind of the post-student
0: phase. Well, thank you very much, Owen. And is there any last things you would like to leave us with?
1: Again, reach out to me if you have any questions. You know, there are, I would say, personal security is extremely important. And I would definitely, some of the resources I mentioned in, the, in, in, in our discussion, look into those. A lot of these services make it easy for personal security. So definitely do that. And again, if anybody has any questions about career-wise, just career guidance in general come to me. I've been through it. Um and more specifically for security, happy to talk hours on end about security.
0: That's awesome. And Owen, I just want to thank you so much. It's been fascinating talking to you and learning a little bit more about what you do and you know what's going on out there. I think it's really important to get educated, you know, as much as you can, okay. I guess, in in this field, in this area.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's it's everybody's job, you know. Uh so We we want to make it as easy and and, and as exciting for everybody as possible.
0: Well, yeah. Again, thank you very much for taking the time to help out today doing this interview. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's career story with me, Patrick Hart, on our show, What To Be, with today's guest, Owen McKee, who's the Director of Security Operations at Circle. If you have any questions or like to share your career story with us, please send us an email at whattoberadio at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM, KSQD Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays and streaming online at ksqd.org. Or you can find us on major podcast streaming platforms like Spotify. And please visit our website at yfiob.org for more information about your futures or business. Thank you very much and see you next time.